Hey, thanks for downloading the Table Talk Radio podcast. Pastor Wolfmuller here, Pastor Gagline on the other side. We talk about, oh, we break in the tower studio today by playing the super mega game. What's in your pastor's library? Pages for points, law and or gospel, name that theologian and name that church body all at the same time. And then we talk about the coronavirus and the plague and what that means for the church. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Here's the show. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. So, uh, if you guys put some mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre, mediocre and hilarious. Making tower hideouts great again. This hey. is Table Talk Radio. That's a cool thing to say. I just like is it the tower studio. That just seems like a cool thing to say. I mean, have the elders fessed up to you that they they've made this for you to kind of get you out of the way to like why don't you go up there in the tower pastor (laughs) we're live by the way now on the youtubes uh if you're listening or watching on the youtubes uh this is table talk radio and you're hearing the voice of evan you can't see him because i don't know that would restrict well i i don't i don't want to take all the the spotlight from you i mean it's like hey pastor wolf is a pretty good Pretty good-looking guy, but if I was on camera, it would be like right. that's yeah. right. It wrecks the curve. <laughs> so, so we're gonna do because we're gonna play a game on Table Talk Radio, which would be actually fun to watch because we're gonna we're celebrating the opening of the Tower Studio here. I mean, we've been broadcasting from the Tower Studio for a while now, but we have got these bookshelves in the back, so we're gonna play the super game. Bookshelves? I thought I thought they were gonna do padded walls. They do. They have a padded wall too, right behind me, <laughs> and it's a cool. straight jacket. <laughs> you can see they did this padded. The kind of cross fabric thing where the ropes come down for the bells. So there's two ropes, the funeral wonder, bell rope and the I wonder if I can watch rope. this on YouTube. How do I watch this on YouTube? Uh, oh, yeah, you could watch at the same time. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be weird. I'll check it out. Now, uh, so we're going to play We're gonna play a super game. What's in your pastor's library slash pages for points slash law and or gospel slash name that theologian? That's what we're going to do. And so uh, you, you guys are watching on on YouTube, you can jump in with your comments. You can play along and that sort of thing. So, so we're going to try that. How, how about that? that sounds- and this is ramping up to the big to the big jubilee episode. Is that right? We're talking about how next episode is our five hundredth episode. The five hundred. Hey, I got it. I can see you. I am. I regret this immediately. <laughs> is that strange? Am I live? Can you can you sync? The 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 video or my delayed on the live. I don't know. I turned the audio off so I wouldn't have to find out. But here, I'll I'll, I'll All right, testing. We're testing how much live. delay oh, I there don't know. is. I turned the audio <laughs> off so I wouldn't have to find out. But here, I'll, I'll I'm entering right, a vortex. Testing. We're testing. Oh, how much delay this there is. No, this is gonna off. be okay. We're gonna turn that off. Wow. <laughs> That's about four second delay. Okay, good. That's okay. good to know. So the the reason though this is helpful because now I can direct you to the exact book I want you to pull off your shelf. <laughs> 
I'm, oh yeah, you can't watch because you gotta <laughs> you gotta be able to guess the name of the book. But you see them all. You kind of see that. You can see the range. You're gonna have to turn off the video feed when you do that. You yeah, see yeah. the range there where I can go, and I can reach all of these books. This is my not Lutheran, other theology, history, and other wackadoo books up here. <laughs> So that'll make it extra interesting. I can promise you I won't be watching the video. (laughs) I need a little live video feed of you. (laughs) Yes, you do. I got a a buzzword for you, though, to start. My buzzword for you is martyr. Remember that word, martyr? It's a Greek word. It means to witness. uh, And we normally think of the martyrs as the people who lost their life, which is fine to say now but the reason we got to remember the reason why they were martyred is because they they were first martyrs they stood before the judge and they confessed Jesus they confessed their faith in Christ and for that they got killed by various different ways so uh you will be my witnesses when Jesus says that in the Greek it says you will be my martyrs so all right there you go uh my theological buzzword for you is missiology Oh, wow. This That's is one of my uh, favorite words. Uh, yeah. Uh, in Christian theology, the study of uh, the Lord's uh, will and missions, uh, the, the Lord's will in the world and missions. Uh, so when we look at the ancient church fathers uh, and their missiology, we found that they uh, found uh, tra- uh, training up uh, uh, local missionarific uh, <laughs> evangelists. <laughs> Just kidding, uh, but the, 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 what was that? What was that scale that we used to have? Oh yeah, uh, the, uh, the how, how hyper missionified you are. <laughs> that was when we, we used to have our friend Mission Vision sixty two on Twitter or like that. Yeah, Mission Vision. But we we really used to be obnoxious. I'm glad that those days are behind us. <laughs> Uh, I just I still would be if I could remember the login on Twitter. I went back the other day and I was trying to log in for Mission Vision, the Twitter account, but I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get, hack the end of the account. So, so here, what do you, what do you think about this as it relates to to missiology? Um, but that that God brings His gifts to us through the church. I was saying this recently, and someone stopped me and said, "Well, you don't think that it's only through the church that God uh, that God you know converts." And, uh, and and I think, what do you think about this as an analogy? So um, in our society, we have realized that there uh, are times in which people get sick and maybe even get close to dying. And so we want to do something about that. So we build hospitals. And so mm-hmm. as a society, a hospital is an institution that we would take someone if they are near death or getting sick or something like this. And it just mm-hmm. is a no-brainer. If you're sick, if you're dying, you need to go to the hospital. Mm. Uh, now, would it follow then that... Uh, the only way anyone could ever get better is by going to the hospital. Well, no, I suppose it's possible that you would get better outside of the hospital. But the, the, the institution that exists for the purpose of helping people who are sick and dying is the hospital. Well, by the same right. token, then, God has instituted the church yes. uh, with his gifts. I like it. So, I like it. So God's word goes everywhere, uh, but ultimately it, it leads us to the gifts that he gives us in church. I like it. I, you know, we, I was having this conversation last week. I can't tell you where. Uh, there maybe were some other pastors hanging around, and one guy said, you know, the big problem in the church is that we think of the church as the sacramental distribution center. And I, and I really? raised my hand, and I said, I use those That's words. because that's what it is. <laughs> I said, that's a, like the best description of the church I've heard in a long time. Like, you read that, that out of my book. That's like the... That's, that's <laughs> like the um, 
What is that thing? The uh, oh yeah, the cult of pure doctrine. That's how that started too, because that started as an insult. And like every every time you insult me, I'm like, that's just so. And and well, the guy said, well, here's the problem: is people come to church and they they have this consumer mentality. And I said, well, Jesus did tell us to take and eat. I mean, we are consumers, consumers of God. <laughs> how how much better does it get than that? So uh, interesting. Anyway. Uh, now, what 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 do you think is behind the concern there? Because I'm in, I am interested in a in a pastor who would who would um, not like the approach of a person coming being consumer, and and I wonder if it isn't this, um, like like we expect in our Google review age that every organization that exists for the public should cater to my every whim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think that was maybe what he's getting at that that people come to church and and Look, if you don't if you don't cater to what, exactly what I want, I'm going to leave you a bad Google review. Uh, yeah, I did. so there's a backlash. I, there is a backlash against the church growth movement now amongst the church growthers, and so the church growth says, "Look, we got to we think of the churches, we think of the people that come to church as consumers, customers. They're always right. We want to market them a product, and so and people are like, well, that's not exactly right. So they're they're reacting against that, mm-hmm. which is like, and so we're sitting there and we're like, well, yeah, we've been saying this the whole time." Glad you guys caught up. So right, yeah. All right. So th- tell us about the super game we're playing. Okay, so you're gonna. I'm gonna close my eyes. Everyone watching is gonna be able to see me that my eyes are closed, and you're gonna direct me to the bookshelves, and I'm going to grab a book, and then after that, dra- uh, very entertaining visual stunt. Then <laughs> I will sit down boringly in the front of the camera again. And then you can direct me to a particular page, and I'll read some passages. And then you can tell me if it's law or gospel. Try to guess even what it's talking about. What was that? Pages for points. So pages, the way pages for points works is if you can tell me what the like the general topic is, you get points for that. I'll give you a range of 100 to 500 points for that. And then a little law gospel. I think you can, if there's some law or gospel in this book, who knows what kind of book it'll be. You'll get be, uh, you'll be able to gain uh, five thousand points, and then if you can name that theologian, I'm going to give you twenty thousand points. And maybe why not name that church body? So if there's a distinguishable theology that's there, then uh, I'll give you another up to one thousand points available for for that. So you'll get three passages from each book. Wow, uh, and, and great that we're playing this with your with the worst of your library too. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. We, yeah. Okay, so we have about a minute left, so let's at least get a book picked out. Yeah, now, okay. I, I remember, and I had your when I had your screen on for like three seconds, that there's like a curtain in the middle. Let's let's yeah. use that as a starting point. All right, I'm there. All right, so I want you to take one step to the right, and then the very bottom of that shelf. Have your finger on a book there. Yeah. All right, go to the right three books and pick that book out. even know if i've ever i didn't even know i had this book <laughs> okay All right, what you is have about 300 pages at your disposal you can tell me what the what book is in the... no you gotta if you gotta guess it oh my goodness but the, i guess the viewers can see what it is all right well i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna uh guess the page number right after this break and then we're gonna play page for points portion of the super game uh, I think, well, we should think of a name for the super game, maybe like the the Tower Disaster or something like that. I don't know. 
But we'll be right back to do that. If uh, you want to chime in. This book actually has a lot of pictures in it. That will make this game interesting. <laughs> I should have figured there'd be a picture book on your shelf. We'll be right back. <laughs> For those times when you just want to be alone, this is Table Talk Radio. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. There is no way you are going to get this book, although there might be some more gospel. Because I not only have to figure out the topic in page for points, but I also have to figure out, name that theologian. You could probably guess the topic. There's a chance. Okay. All right. So there's 300 pages to choose from, Mm. and I am going to choose page number 239. Hey, what happened? I'm not live anymore. Page 239? YouTube got bumped you off, huh? Uh, resume. Do you want to resume where you're reconnecting? Okay, there we are. Back in back in action. Uh, what page did you say? Uh, page number 239. 230. Oh, interesting. Let's see. Oh, very interesting. Oh, even more interesting. Okay. Sounds interesting. Um, let's see. Ceremonies of coronation and investiture were also popular in the art of tombs and church mosaics. In explaining this selection, one may conclude with grab, grabar, Christian art took over the formulas used to extol the glory of the monarch and applied them to Christian uses. The foregoing factors are evident in the early representations of Christ to which we now turn. There is no question of there being any historical portrait of Jesus, for as we have seen, the early Christians were not interested in the question. Only in later legends was it claimed that the image of the face of Christ was impressed on the cloth or veil of a woman who in the 13th century was identified as Veronica on the road to Calvary. Okay, so this is going to be a book uh, maybe about medieval art or uh, uh, something like this, but I think that this is going to be furthermore talking perhaps about uh, icons or something like this. So... I'm going to lay that out there if, if I'm close at all. Okay. You, okay, you got two more passages. I've got to write down that because you could get the oh, oh, okay. points for the... What page did you say? 239. Okay. You get two more pages, and I'll read some more. Got it. Okay. Well, then let's go to page 142. Okay. This is going to make it very interesting. Page 142, you say... Buddha images did not appear until the first century A.D. For five centuries after the historical Buddha, who lived around 563 to 483 B.C., only symbolic forms were used to indicate his presence and veneration and sacred memory. This was not due to an explicit prohibition of images during these centuries of primitive Buddhism, nor to any backwardness in the means of artistic expression. It is due to the nature of early Buddhism and its Indian background. The Buddha... Bahuda was essentially a reforming sage who taught truths about the existence and dis- and a discipline embodied in his community, the Sangha, leading to release from the worldly cycle of samsara. Like a prophet, he was embodied in his message, and to see his word was to see him. 
Okay, so uh, common denominator here is uh, images and art in use in religion. So that might be what's going on. So the first one talking about Christianity, the second one talking about Buddhism. So let's see if that theme runs consistent on page 59. 59. Hmm. A more likely source of common ground concerning origins and gods in Polynesian mythology, while allowing for variations, is the myth of Rangi and Papa, as recounted by the New Zealand Maoris. Rangi and Papa, represent, representing heaven and earth, were not creator gods, but themselves were the portraits of long cycles of emergence from primeval darkness, in which the aeons of nothing and night led on to the dawn of light and extension of space, then to heaven and earth. What the heck? The primal pair clinging together gave birth to a series of sons who then wanted to free themselves and reach the light. They separated the parents under the leadership of Tain, who was to be lord of forests. Tain stood with his hands like roots on Mother Earth, while his legs forked like branches thrust upward and forced Rangi to the heavens. Rangi and Papa were thereby sundered forever, and their sorrow is shown in rain and mist. Hmm. Well, I think that... Uh... I was on the right track, so uh, I'm going to say that this is a book about uh, images in religion. Man, oh man, that is great. Icon Iconography of Religions and Introduction is the name of this thing. Okay, so now I have to guess the uh, theologian or the author. Yeah. And how, the, how would I know? But I'm just going to throw a, a general guess out there yeah? that it was written by some professor of comparative religion of some university. <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. Um, let me see. The guy's name is Albert Moore. Oh, yeah. Albert Moore from um, that university in comparative Associate religion. Associate professor in religious studies at <laughs> University of Otago, New Zealand. All right. You did pretty good on that. Number one, I'm going to give you all of your points for the pages. i got to add that up. It's complicated math here. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you... 5,000 points for Name That Theologian. Because, uh, yes. And uh, now, any Law and Gospel? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to... Okay, so when we talk about these these images in the religion, especially in the last two, um, uh, it always had kind of this purpose of well even well, I should not exclude the first one and all of them had this kind of purpose of sort of seeing into the divine right I mean so that that here we are mortal human beings limited by time and space and it, we resorted then to art to see beyond what we can see with our eyes um, and so in a lot of these descriptions it was uh, it was painting the picture no pun intended of the uh, the individual um, doing some sort of a attainment of seeing that divine. So insofar as that is true, I would say that is law. I think I'll I'll let you let that stand for 300 points bringing you to a total of 5741 points. I like this game. Wowzers. They got a little section on Luther in here. All right, let's do another one. How much time we got? About four minutes in this segment, so let's uh, go back All to right. the, the the curtain there. Let's take, let's take two steps to the left this time. Yeah. And right. now now I want you to go to the highest bookshelf you can reach. You got your finger on a book? Yes. 
All right, let's go to the left five and pick out that book. Let's see what this. <laughs> uh -oh. Uh -oh. oh man, that's a classic. <sighs> this is what it says in the back. This is certainly a book to have on your bookshelf. It'll provide hours of stimulating reading and make an excellent book of reference. <laughs> I have. Pa I cannot remember reading this, but apparently I have a page marked in here. Hmm. What page? What page do you have marked? 95. I don't think this is my mark. I cannot remember. <laughs> I cannot remember reading this. I picked page 95. Okay, here's the highlighted <laughs> thing. Uh, many books have been written on every one of these areas. Um, this, the list is existing products and services and existing and present markets, abandonment of yesterday and products, service and marketers, new products and services for existing markets, new markets, distributive organization, etc. It's almost never stressed that objectives in these areas can be, uh, can be set only after two key decisions have been made. The decision on concentration and the decision on market standing. Okay, so sounds like you have a uh, book on marketing or something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing this is the book, uh, how, to, how to Make Your YouTube Channel Successful. <laughs> I haven't read that one yet. <laughs> okay, well, how many pages are in the book? Um, 550. Whoa, oh. so we need to go to at least, uh, let's say, page 499. Whoa, okay. Um, a third requirement is that each member of the team, that is, each managerial unit, take responsibility far beyond its own assignment. Each member must, in effect, take top management responsibility. To get any results require from each member independent responsibility and initiative. At the same time, each member must try to know what goes on throughout the entire system and to keep the common goal in mind. Executives especially must always see their own assignments clearly in the perspective of the whole project. No wonder that the system structure has not, on the whole, been an unqualified success. For every NASA with a successful moonshot, oh, but also with an almost man. unlimited budget to support it, Dozens of systems, structures, have failed miserably to perform or have done so only through budgetary irresponsibility, such as no private business could survive. As in the oh, development man. of the Anglo-French supersonic plane, the Concorde, for example, and of various weapon systems in Europe as well as the U.S. I think I'm on to it, but uh, let's, let's try one more. Uh, let's try page 7, and we have about a minute in the segment left. Okay, let's see if I can get there fast enough. Let's see. Page, if there is a page seven. Oh, oh yeah, preface page. Oh, first page. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll just read you the beginning. As a subject, management is, management is multidimensional. It is first a discipline in its own right. It's a young discipline. Modern organizations are barely a century old, and management arose with them. But while there is still a great deal we do not know, we know that management is not just common sense. It's not just codified experience. This book tries to present what we know so far, but it also tries to present a much larger body of our organized ignorance, that is, the areas in which we know that we need new knowledge, in which we can define what we need, but in which we do not as yet possess the knowledge. All right. This is great. Um, what if I should, I'll, I'll render, Are I'll, you sure this I'll, is great? I'll render my guess. Uh, sure so I was great? initially thinking that this was um, the book Pastor as Leader, but now I'm, I'm stepping off of that. <laughs> <laughs>
Because <laughs> it sounded just like it, the whole, especially yeah. the first. I mean, um, but I think this is the book. Uh, I'm not going to get the title exact, but something to the effect of uh, how NASA builds teams or something like that. You know, I think that that book is right next to them. Really? What's this mm. one? Drucker Management. Oh, dang it. Peter Drucker. All right, we'll be right back. There's a lot to think about this guy. He had a huge theological influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some people have a high pain tolerance. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The Sunday Drive Home, Grappling with the Text and the Theo Vlog. These are some of the playlists on the YouTube channel. Visit YouTube slash Wolfmuller1. Check it out there. It was Drucker. Drucker. That's who it was. Can you believe it? Uh, well, so so uh, Drucker, I don't know... Uh, this is the problem with not doing show prep and doing games that you're relying upon whatever is in the uh, accessible recollection of the hosts. So uh, that disclaimer. Uh, but, but is, Drucker, and it's even worse than normal because normally we do a little bit like, hey, we should talk about this because I thought about it sometime in the last 40 years. <laughs> right. Not today, though. Uh, but, but Drucker was one of these main influential types in, uh, in business and marketing. I mean, he... A lot of his ideas are sort of the um, what standard thought in business and marketing. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I think so. um, now, I, again, I, as I mentioned to, to to those listening during the break, uh, I think it's really worth going back to Table Talk uh, archives and finding the interview I did with Chris Roseboro. Um, I think it was uh, talking about fascism because Roseboro uh, connects the. Um, tenets of, of of fascism to uh, Drucker and his some of his marketing things and and as it then plays into the church that it really relies upon uh, people following the leader rather than a pastor being a servant of God for the people Drucker chose three talented young evangelical church leaders and intensively mentored them in the application of his business theories to church management. These three spearheads of the purpose-driven movement were Rick Warren, Saddleback of Saddleback Church, etc., um, Bill Hybels, Willow Creek, and Bob Buford, founder of Leadership Network. There you go. So, so that Drucker, it says he, he was a he studied politics, then he studied management, then he realized it was the church was going to make these social changes, and so he. This is just fascinating stuff. Fascinating, you know. And 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 as we see that, I mean, it was it was those three that sort of set the tone not only for so-called non-denominational churches, but for denominational churches. I mean, I mean, Rick Warren is a Baptist pastor, so 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 now it is really. Uh, I mean, I would I would be interesting to to hear Chris Roseboro comment on the state of the church today in relation to these events in the in the church growth movement because now mm-hmm. um uh people really want nothing i mean this goes back to the pastor you were talking about earlier that here we here we have a marketing consumer perspective of of the church that people walk in and say you know i expect the church to cater to my every every want and desire and if you don't, like if you practice close communion, 
then you're a terrible church. And so, I mean, the, the landscape of the church today is so different than in the 70s, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and how much of that is to do with, with Peter Drucker is, is an interesting topic. Hmm. Indeed. So you, you sent me to the to the to the exiled book section where that came from. All the kind of business books that I, they're on the very like top shelf. I can hardly reach. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I think that's law. By the way. Oh yeah, I would agree with you. <laughs> uh, there is nothing. I'm in... giving you no points for the getting. You were close though. I mean, but still. Oh, no. I thought I nailed it because uh, because your dad told me about that book about NASA leadership. Uh, and I thought that maybe that's what you were reading from. I but. think Dad sent it to me. Yeah. It's up there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, uh, let's go another round. Um, All right. This I'm time, giving you 300 points, by the way. So from, That brings your total to 6,041 points. Okay. From, question. From the, from the curtain to the wall, about how many steps would there be to the left or right? To the left is about three. To the right is about five. Okay. So let's go to the right four steps. And at about waist height, put your finger on a book, and then go to the left, four books. Ah, hardcover. What is this about? How do I get these weird books in my library? Because you're in the tower. I mean, <laughs> what is this one? That, that's the that's the downside of playing this game in the way that you have your library arranged. Like I get oh, why okay. near the microphone you would want only the crazy books, but it doesn't work out as well for what's in your pastor's library because now we're only reading weird things. This this is interesting. <laughs> All right, I, I, it is a bit strange, but um, <laughs> I know why I got this. I, I understand now what's going on in this book. You have a 270-page range. Okay. Let's do page 211. 211. Okay. You might be able to get this one. Uh, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. This war is described more fully in chapter 19. Before that takes place, however, another part of the divine purpose must be fulfilled. Babylon, the great city, rules over peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues, 1715, and the kings of the earth, not the ten kings, are in league with her. When the moment arrives, the ten kings and the beast throw over the attitude of support hitherto given to Babylon and make her desolate. Thus Babylon, that wicked city with its long history of infamy, finds in the final phase of its anti-Christian activity its own executioner. The whole of the 18th chapter is devoted to the record of the destruction of Babylon. The fall of Babylon has been spoken of in earlier chapters, but the actual narrative is reserved until the last because it is the great tragic climax of the history of man on earth. When Babylon falls, the end has come, and the long-prayed-for kingdom of righteousness dawns. When you said 1750, was that a reference to a year? No. Oh. Chapter 17. Oh, 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 okay. Verse 15. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> Okay, interesting. So we're talking about Babylon, and uh, hmm. see. Uh, okay, well, let me let me keep poking around here. Let's go to page one nineteen. Okay, one nineteen. After this, 
I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. The reader will doubtless be aware that the passage should be rendered out of all nations. We have met with a similar expression in chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. Thou didst purchase for God by thy blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and didst make them to our God a kingdom and priests, and they reign over the earth. In chapter 3 we consider this passage and concluded that this was a redemption of scattered Israel, not out of one nation, nor as at the first from Egypt, but from many nations, Isaiah 11, 11 and 12. The fact that those redeemed were to be a kingdom and priests pointed to Israel also. The great multitude likewise are Israelites gathered out of every nation. They too are invested with priestly dignity. They serve him day and night in his temple. The great multitude were clothed with white robes, there is an evident intention in the choice of the word robes. Okay, so this is um, a commentary on Revelation chapter 7. We have the great multitude coming out of the, the tribulation, and it says that uh, out of, or it says of every nation. And so this author is asserting that it's not that they're members of the nation, that given nation, but they were out of that nation, so that they were Israel coming out of you know, said nation. Mm. Um, now, did it say, I, I'm not sure if I heard correctly, did it say a new Israel or just, just Israel? Mm. I don't think it said new Israel. Okay, so so this is asserting then that that uh, members of, like descendants of Abraham who have coming out of a, a given nation would be that what's talked about in Revelation 7. So very interesting, um, a very... Uh, I mean, maybe a dispensational view, perhaps, but but definitely not an orthodox perspective. So let's go one more. Let's go to page 54. 54. You got it. Oh, there's a chart here. Uh, well, um, we'll just go to 55 or 56, whatever gets back yeah, to the Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the, the description given of the Son of Man is parallel with the description given in Daniel 10, so that if the apostle had wanted to make us connect the subject matter of Revelation 1 with things distinctively to do with Israel, he could not have done it better. In order that the parallel may be clearly seen, we put two descriptions together. And here's the chapter, Daniel 10 and Revelation 1. The close parallel that is evident here leads one to one conclusion. The time, place, and people of the two books are the same. The people is Israel. The latter days bring us to the period of revelation, the day of the Lord. The difference between the two accounts is that Daniel was told to shut up the words and seal the book to the time of the end, whereas John is told, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things that are written therein for the time is at hand. Hmm. Having such a definite connection with Israel and the time of the end impressed upon the opening vision of the revelation, we wonder how it is that so many see the church in this passage. However, it is not for us to question the views of others, but rather to get to know more and more the truth of God for ourselves. Turning to the vision of John that beheld, we find that in the midst of the seven gold lampstands was the Son of Man. Wow. Okay. Uh, so I I don't know if this is just a commentary on like Revelation, if it's a book on end times in general, or if it's so specific of a topic that it's trying to talk about like Israel in the end times. Um, so uh, I don't know. I'll guess that it's a just a book on end times theology. You had it. You had it. It's the it's called this prophecy, and subtitle. Being an exposition of the book of the Revelation. Okay. Now, um, 
close. You were onto it. You were name that there. theologian. Uh, is it true to say this person is a dispensationalist? Uh, he, uh, yes. <sighs> well, yes, because he's the author of a book called Dispensational Truth. That's my, <laughs> well, he's like, I got gonna, something I'm right. just going to deduct that. <laughs> Other works, Dispensationalism, Dispensational Truth, Why Dispensationalism is <laughs> the best ever. Why Dispensationalism is wrong. great again. Yeah, I would, I would say that that's a, probably a good deduction. Okay, well, after this break, then we'll talk about law and or gospel. And then uh, we're going to play some Tank Man for the News in the last segment of the program. So stay tuned. All right. You shouldn't listen to Table Talk Radio. Reverse psychology? Or is it? The Daily Bible Meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Hey, uh, Joel, who didn't write this music, is actually watching in the hey, live Joel. feed. Thanks for... Not well, writing that song. <laughs> that sounds funny. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, and it's great how we just kind of keep <laughs> saying it. All right, so you read uh, from a book about uh, prophecy and yes. from a dispensation yes. perspective. Right. Um, and so, so now we have to ask the question, law or gospel? And here's the thing. Um, I, don't, I don't know if this is law or gospel, uh, except to say that uh, there is no gospel, <laughs> because here, it's not gospel. Right? It's probably not law either. <laughs> I just know it's not gospel. Well, give uh, us the rundown right. on the disp on the dispensationalism. Right, right. So, What's okay, the so, big deal about those guys? So the the dispensationalist perspective is um, that God deals with humanity in various dispensations and d- various ways, different different modes throughout history. And so, um, you know, maybe one mode in the Garden of Eden and a different mode in the in the fall of man and all of this. And so a couple of those particular dispensations that deals with us is that um, he deals with his people Israel through like a sacrificial system and things like this. And then when Jesus came, he came to be their their leader. I mean, the, the, as an earthly – came to be their earthly king, their their Messiah, but they did not receive him. Um, they they uh, rejected his kingship that he w- he would have tried to set up, and so he offers then salvation in the church age um, uh, to Gentiles, and that's the age that we're living in now, the, the the church age, and the time is coming then when the Lord will end the church age and will rapture the church away from the earth. And will begin a seven-year tribulation, after which he will resume what he intended to do in the first place, that he will come back and reign for a thousand years on earth as Israel's uh, leader. Is that a fair fair summary? Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with this is that it divides believers in Christ and uh, the Old Testament church, uh, which we would know as Israel. And so we see a, a unifying factor between the Old Testament and the New Testament mm-hmm. that they were believers all the same. They may have been believers in the Messiah to come, whereas we are believers in the Messiah who has come. But we're the we're both the church. The, we're both Israel, uh, mm-hmm. as as I think Paul. I mean, it's just so clear, <laughs> clear through Revelations and Romans and pretty much every Pauline epistle 
that uh, that Paul is saying that there is no division between these two; that they're now one right. through faith in Christ. And so, so what dispensationalism is divide that, and it, what it does is take away the gospel, um, at least from from Israel, so that Israel should should be one. Uh, with God, not through faith in Christ, but through their Jewish heritage. Right. All right. So that's it. I remember this. I did this quiz one time. Remember at the Calvary Chapel, and I asked the people, "Would you rather be Jewish or Catholic?" And they all want to be Jewish. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. I mean, it's this this kind of that's crazy. crazy Zionism. That's crazy. Result. There's a lot of other problems, but, but, no, but that's well said. But so. th- but this is no small um, false teaching. I mean, th- this is. And I and I think I always blame it on the Left Behind book series and and Kirk Cameron movies, but your guy there, Kirk Cameron. Um, but I mean, this is the overwhelming end times perspective for a lot of non denominational non denominational and some denominational churches. Yeah. Um, so when they used to care about the Bible. I think the non denominational churches have basically stopped caring about what the Bible says now. They're all social justice stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. All right. We have uh let's see how much time on the clock here. Seven minutes to talk about. By the way, this we got article. players. We didn't this happened during the break, oh. so we didn't announce it yet because Gary is playing I'm playing for Gary today and and Evan is playing for Carl. Gary M and Carl H, congratulations. And so if right. Evan wins, whoever wins gets a their choice of a free Book, and whoever loses gets their choice of Table Talk Radio merch. <laughs> All right, so um, I'll maybe give you some points for this Tank Maps and News, but here's the headline. It says, some SoCal churches alter services amid a mounting coronavirus concerns. It says, from San Bernardino, California, one day after the first reported death in the United States from coronavirus, multiple Southland churches implemented significant changes to worship services to help prevent the spread of deadly infection. The COVID-19 virus prompted the Diocese of San Bernardino County to warn parishioners of modifications to weekly Mass. The changes, which were announced Friday, informed churchgoers that the diocese were working to keep services safe by encouraging the faithful to refrain from holding hands during prayer and to share the sign of peace I guess they're not doing the kiss of peace then, huh? To share the sign of peace held at the beginning of Mass without making physical contact, as well as bans on communion by cup and receiving the bread from hand to mouth. The diocese serving Orange and Riverside counties issued similar statements. All right, so that's the gist of it. Ah, what do you think of that? Well, we got that. So it's it's just you got to revert to the. We should you have to go back to the Middle Ages and look up what the canon law was during times of plague. Right, it's right. very interesting. I mean, we don't you don't you just don't think about the plague that much. Like ah, plague that's like Middle Ages. You got you know burning witches and the plague. All of a sudden, we got a plague on our hands. Well, maybe that's a little over. The top, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. plaguey. It's plagueish. It's plagueish. <laughs> and I, I think it's probably fine to say, how, what can we do to avoid transmission? But here's so I, we were talking to a couple of weeks ago. We had some missionaries that came back from China when this whole thing broke and school closed and everything were like boom back to the states and so they came and they were they were in seclusion for 2 weeks they just got here and they um and they were kind of hanging out so to just make sure they didn't have the virus and then they came and visited church and so, and I was we were having coffee with them and they were talking about how in China there you know you can't go outside of the house i mean everyone's kind of locked up and you can't go to church and so all these churches are doing these they're doing these live streaming services 
So, you know, maybe the live stream on YouTube here is just, it's like plague preparation. <laughs> That's for you gotta sure. Remember, though, it's, good, it's good for us to remember nowadays because we, we, we in modernity or in the now try to, try to put a, a big gap between us and death, you know. We like to think that death is far, far away. And better to realize that all of us are just one breath away. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's right around the corner. And so it's nice to, it's nice to be ready for that. It's, it's part of being a Christian as we say, hey, we're, you know, we're ready to die. Not that I think that, I mean, you know, all the statistics, like a lot more people are, the, the flu is more deadly apparently than this coronavirus, at least from, from what I've seen. But the problem is it's something new and something crazy and, and everything. So to, so to do things where to, if you can, if we can comfort people, um, from, from, when they come to church and say, "Hey, we're we're gonna t we're gonna make a couple of changes, so that so we don't have to worry about getting the corona." All right, what's virus. what's your perspective on like changing our communion practices so that there are some people who would say, "Look, this is the cup of life that the Lord gives us to bestow unto us His very own body and blood uh, for the forgiveness of sins." So that there are people who would say, uh, "Look, this is this is like any other thing, just like maybe uh, during an." an outbreak of some virus or during cool, uh, flu season, I maybe wouldn't share a cup with the guy next to me, um, th that that we should take similar precautions um, with communion. And others would say, look, this this is uh, communion, so God won't give me this virus through communion. So what's your what's your perspective on that? Well, I don't. I, I don't think we could. God has not promised to not give us vi to not give us a virus by communion. So we don't we don't want to put promises in the Lord's mouth. So maybe that's what was going on in First Corinthians um, eleven. You know that they had the coronavirus. <laughs> that that's how he was. You know, to, <laughs> you know, some have fallen asleep. I've I, some uh, someone's. I saw someone say there's probably no place cleaner on earth than the than the silver cup full of wine you know it's, i mean just as far as sterility goes but i know it's because whenever i'm 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 passing out the lord's blood i'm i'm spinning the cup around you know and mm -hmm. all the germs are on the edge and they get dizzy right right they fall in the wine and they die but but i you know it is they didn't did they say no cup i, th I thought they said no hand to mouth distribution of the lord's body Instead, you're supposed to put it in the person's hand so that you're not you're not touching directly like the person's yeah, they lips did. or something. As well as bans on communion by cup and receiving the bread from hand to mouth. Mm, interesting. Interesting. It's probably the handshake. I'd say probably the, the, the thing that is the most dangerous is the handshake. Um, I so think we'll have to ban the, the handshake and go back to the kiss of peace. I think probably the individual cups is the major cause of germ spread. What is the individual cups of communion? Because oh. you have this big tray here, and people are fingering their cups, you know, to get their. Uh, it seems like that would be a more of a risk of germ spread. People grabbing their cups over everyone else's cup than just partaking of the common cup. I saw. Uh, we have about a minute here. I saw a guy. I was watching PBS accidentally the other day, and there was some artist in New York, and he went and swabbed down like the subway rail thing and then he put it all in petri dishes and let it grow and then he did like portraits <laughs> so this was like the red line and it was all the fungus and that's bacteria disgusting. and everything and that's and it's it like it's beautiful in a very weird kind of way and i said yeah very very weird weird all right you have about 20 seconds to do 10 commandments go 
Uh, okay, so it has to do with the church, first, second, third commandment, and especially with worship, the Lord's body and blood. It has to do with not dying. <laughs> That's probably fifth commandment. Plague has to do with the neighbor. How do we love and serve our neighbor, and how does God love and serve us uh, in, in the midst of All right, I'll give you 500 points for all that. 500 points? <laughs> I didn't even get close. <laughs> does that mean I'm the winner? Oh, I forgot to throw it to you. And that... Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. Where the points are like all the things that the missiologists talk talk about the martyrs. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. See how it, see that? That was actually pretty good right there. That was good. It's just smooth. It's incomplete sentences. You're getting better. It's like I wasn't even trying. Lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to find the cabinet song and falling off the treadmill. More information, visit tabletalkradio.org. That'd be a good liner. Like, like we're not even we trying. Make, we make it look like there's no effort put into this at all.